yeah, I wanted to book you on this uh, show that I do. It's that basement show. There's no mic, no chairs, and unfortunately, this time around, I can't pay you, but there is a buffet. Cops retirement party. I got no room for you to stay in, but there's free drinks. You wouldn't mind uh, hiding out for about a half hour, 45 minutes until the uh, birthday girl gets there, would ya? Wondering if you'd like to do comedy uh, on a boat. Not a very big boat, kind of just like a real boat. Really, it's just a canoe. Let me know if you want to do the gig. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. How, how's it going? Oh, it's going well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so pleased to be here to talk about comedy and death. That's what this podcast is about, right? Yes. It's, yes. it's coming to terms with your own mortality, <laughs> which yeah. some gigs may make you feel like, yes. I'm going to die here. Um, you, you're, you're from... Uh, the great the great liberty state of pennsylvania i believe yes. right I, I certainly am and we met in boston and did. you've lived in new york and now you're in la uh oh. first question of course is what are you running from and <laughs> se- secondly uh you've so you've done comedy all over just by where you've been living yeah but I've known you, and we've done some nightmare stuff together. <laughs> some mm-hmm. horrible things, horrible oh. shows. Boy, have we. Um, yeah, I mean, I got started in New York by taking a class and um, more really to meet friends than to uh, do comedy because um, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if I was going to be serious about comedy at that point and uh you know what i didn't make any friends but <laughs> uh, it did ignite my passion for comedy <laughs> so so you got something out of the the class sort of structure and stuff was it was it one of those things where it's you i guess most classes are this way but when it's done you do a live performance with everyone else in the class yeah which how's this for for um real shitty on theme thing yeah my first ever show was like it was like the graduation show for this class and it was mm-hmm. a 15 person bringer show wow oh my god at um comics in new york like c-o-m-i-x yes. uh, which i think some of those are still around the one in new york closed or moved locations or something i don't know but mm-hmm. um yeah so it was like and the tickets you know it's like the tickets are 20 bucks or something like that it's a two drink minimum kind of thing so i had to get 15 people and mind you i nice. didn't know anybody and was taking the class to try to meet people <laughs> wow so That's I had incredible. to find, scrounge up. I somehow, I think I managed it because the whole thing was like, if you did bring 15 people, you got your your tape from the show for free. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't, uh, you had to pay like 30 bucks for it or something like that. Yeah. And then, Hold it hostage. <laughs> and if, if like you only brought like two people, they were basically like, you might not be able to perform. They like made it seem like you weren't going to be able to perform unless you yeah. brought like a whole like family reunions worth of people. And, and you paid for this class too. I did pay for the class. Correct. That's... And it was a class like t- um, facilitated by this comedy club so they're making money either way from the students in the class but then they're also like well you know uh and it was also of course it's not like a coveted spot it was like 
a 6 p.m. on a Sunday or something yeah. like that. You know, it's, it's not as though they're like, well, we have to fulfill the house because it's yeah. like a Saturday night. But it was just like, it was like a crowd. It might have even been like an afternoon show. Right. But they're just like, everyone, all like 12 people in the class, you all have to bring 15 people. And Jeez. Was- that's crazy. I, you know, that's something that, you know, it's like, we often talk about, Gary and I hear about how clubs are just about their sort of profits and they're never really putting the comedy first. Right. They're never setting comedians up for success. Like sometimes mics don't work. They just mm-hmm. care about selling alcohol. They'll do an open mic provided mm-hmm. enough comedians come to the open mic to, you know, buy a, uh, you know, a sandwich and, and right. buy some beer or whatever. It's like the same as karaoke. You know, it's like karaoke rules where, <laughs> hey, we'll do a karaoke night. You know, people will come in, they'll drink, they'll have fun or whatever, but we'll fill the place. And I think it's like this sort of insidious way to run a club where you're like giving off times to people. Mm-hmm. Hey, bring your whole family. Bring as many people as you can. How many people can, get, you know, can we get out of people? It's Ugh. wild. It, yeah. Did you, was your set okay? Or did you do good? Did you press? I mean, for having really never done stand-up before, um, it was okay. I mean, obviously, like, the people who I did manage to, like, scrounge up were, like, friends and coworkers mm-hmm. and people who were supportive. So, like, they were yeah. they were supportive. And, you know, it's not a good tape. In fact, I would be horrified to go back <gasps> and listen. Because it was now, like, what, 12 years ago or yeah. more? Yeah. I would yeah. sooner die by comedy than (laughs) watch it but (laughs) it makes me think of those hours and hours and hours of like um footage that uh rick jenkins has at the comedy studio oh my gosh people aren't even paying for dvds and he's like making dvds of your set like to go Mm -hmm. back and look at that stuff and be like man he could make a lot of money if he just like blackmailed all of us with like a terrible set on a wednesday yeah um but it's interesting like did you do you know of anyone else who took that class who's still doing stand-up? Um, not that I'm. Yeah, I think they, there are, but I just, they're just they like not really on my radar, and yeah, I'm not like. And I and I have a follow-up. Um, so what was I guess the question is what was the second set like? Because you go to the first one, you're at this crazy bringer, you bring half the audience. It's like you said, Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner, you know. Right. But then the next one is like a huge, I find the first time you've done stand up to the second time can be a huge drop. Sure. Well, the second show I did, because I did, I approached doing stand up so wrong, where, mo- I mean, most people don't <laughs> bother with a class. They just write, they start writing jokes and then they start going to open mics because that's yeah. also the cheaper way to do it. Right. Um, instead, I wasn't really going to mics. I was just, we do like basically a mic. Sorry, there's an ambulance. That's okay. We're, we're in the middle of the <laughs> <laughs> I was, so, oh, no, I lost my train of thought. Um, you went about stand-up unconventionally, you said. Yeah, so I so I took the class, and, and during each class period, it was um, basically like an open mic. You'd mm-hmm. go up, you'd do your three minutes or five minutes or whatever, and you'd get feedback, which was like a nice constructive yeah. way to go about it. But I also, like, I w- that was like once a week, and I yeah. and for eight weeks, and then I was just like, oh, I have to keep doing this? Ugh. <laughs> so so my second show was another bringer show at the same because you'll never believe this ponzi scheme um they would take the students who managed to bring a decent number of people for like the grad show and then they'd be like 
you did you crushed it you did so well we want to have you back <laughs> yeah. for another thing come for another bringer show 15 people same deal so yeah. i was you know not aware of of that being a huge scam at the time yeah so i did it i was like sure i'll take mm -hmm. this date and then i kept like hounding people <laughs> go and buy tickets and stuff um and the second show i think definitely because i was well i was like well they've already because it was the same people who came to the first one so i was like they've heard this oh. material i have to write yeah. new stuff and the new stuff i wrote was like not good and also not very mm -hmm. well practiced and it was just like yes so you no longer had the class structure to like soundboard your ideas Oof, and stuff yeah. like that yes so yeah. um it was really rough honestly for the first i don't know 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's an education. Yeah. yeah, it certainly is. I I think what I admire about, you know, the way you've gone about stuff is, you know, me and you used to be in the trenches of like, we'd be at like these clubs where mm. there'd be nobody. Yeah. And we would just go up and just do our thing for nobody. And it wouldn't change all that much over time. It wasn't like, well, I got to win these three idiots that don't like me that happen to be sitting at the bar because they're like, what, comedy? Mm -hmm. And then you went and you went, uh, I believe I was your first podcast fan uh, mm. with the Bechtel cast, which I uh, highly recommend on iTunes with uh, Jamie Loftus. Mm -hmm. um, so you guys started doing that and having a little success and doing some road shows. Yeah. But I can imagine people going to a podcast show and being a little weird just because I don't know what that audience is like, like a live podcast show. Have, well, you, have you had strange experiences with setting that up or anything like that? No. Um, doing a live podcast show for people who are there specifically to see you do your podcast because they like your podcast is... I don't know why I ever did stand up knowing that that could have been a thing because like it's so, they're just they're they're there to support you they're nice they're they bring you gifts they like want to hang out and talk afterward like it's right it's really pleasant and they're very supportive and they're and they're very nice whereas like a stand if you're if you book a, a show on the road or whatever or just anywhere and it, you know I'm not uh people don't like know me as a comic really or come yeah. to see me specifically do comedy so no one's there for me so i just have to be like i hope i don't these people don't hate me like that's the best i can <laughs> hope for but like yeah with i mean uh, yeah podcast shows there and then so jamie and i will do live shows of like episodes of our podcast but then we'll also book a like a night or two doing stand-up so people usually will come to the podcast show and then come and watch our stand-up but again because they already know us from the podcast they're far more supportive than yeah that's the great average audience member um so yeah i again i should have just done that from the start <laughs> <laughs> also would i have started a podcast had i not already been doing comedy for i don't know eight years or something because i yeah. was like who am i i'm not a person i'm not funny i don't know how to be a, i'm not a performer so I, yeah so i guess it's a catch-22 right you have all that experience to draw upon and and you know to call on when you go out and do these live shows but right. you know again it, it is always interesting it's easier when people are there for you yeah um <laughs> it's really it's, nice it's, 
Yeah, it's super great. Um, I guess my my question is, so you do a lot of teaching online, right? Like now it's kind of, I mean, like most of us, you're kind of teaching people. Are there any, Mm -hmm. uh, ever any uh, sort of uh, hurdles to teaching online, like something that comes out that's uh, difficulties arising or people crashing the Zoom or anything like that? (laughs) I haven't had any, you know, Zoom Zoom bombs, I guess like photo bomb, Zoom bomb. no, and, and what's nice about that is that, again, like, because people, some people know who I am from my podcast, they're like, oh, mm-hmm. I'll take, take Caitlin's class. So yeah. that's really only the, the way that I've gotten anyone to sign up for my class. But um, so I teach screenwriting classes online. I haven't done any like teaching comedy or, or stand up online, but I was teaching stand up and this is the best job I've ever had. Um, oh, okay. Good, good things can come <laughs> from from doing stand up. Is I got hired to teach um, seniors comedy at the LGBT Center in LA. Oh, awesome! So it's this just like really sweet, great group of seniors, and they mm-hmm. have very interesting stories and perspectives. And a lot of them are like way funnier and way more interesting than every comedian I've ever right. met. Yeah. <laughs> they have whole lives yeah (laughs) and a lot of them are like you know retired um people in the film industry or Mm -hmm. like actors or something but they're just like oh i just i've always wanted to give stand-up a shot so then yeah they take my class and uh, a lot of them like i teach the same class over and over there's not like levels but a lot of them keep taking it over and over again just to like get a little bit better just to like keep working on their set or write right. new material so it's kind really of carve it's out the, the idea that they have or a different fresh new idea stuff mm-hmm. like that sure. and it is a 20 person bringer as i understand yeah of course <laughs> yeah <laughs> the class if you want to sign up for my class you got to bring 20 other people <laughs> that's i i love gimmicky terrible things in a way of like mm-hmm. so like with those classes and there are good teachers i teach stand-up writing too and uh, rob crane teaches stand-up writing there's there's a lot of people who who know how to like you know give you a little structure and hold you accountable and stuff and uh i can attest to that it's a great class i've taken it thank you recently uh, and i've taken caitlin's class and uh and it's fantastic for screenwriting we uh you, you always get to uh watch people grow i think is kind of the fun part um one question that I had before you started getting your people to come to your show and started, you know, having your audience, what was maybe the last gig you did before like the, the podcast took off where you went and nobody knew you and it was nightmarish. Ooh, yeah. I'll answer that question in a second. I'm going to close my window and bathroom door because there's just like loud chainsawing happening outside. Give me I'll one sh- second. I'll shut my door too. Hang on one second. That is, uh, it's perfect. Chainsaws is what we need. I guess it's just me. Um, you can, you know, obviously you'll edit this stuff out, but I have a uh, story about um, being involved in classes uh, where... One of the questions in the class that I was in was a guy wondering when he was going to get paid as a headliner, and he had just started taking the class. Um, and to compound those problems, I think he may have had uh, some brain trauma, yeah. um, which you know 
he just thought he was going to go from taking one class to being, you know, uh, Eddie Izzard or whatever. <laughs> you know, like international headliner, Who HBO books special. Madison Square Garden. Yeah, yeah. How can I get to Madison Square Garden in, uh, after one class? Um, so feel free to edit all that if you like. But uh, I, I like it. I like that you, uh, yeah. your, your soldier took the reins, my mm-hmm. friend. Although Kaylin, we do safe? we we do really appreciate a chainsaw on the show. It's it's thematically it fits with us perfectly. We've been doing a lot of wacky sounds in between. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just um, moving into my my closet. Oh, it'll be a little bit more. Your closet too. looks like one of the rooms in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Small okay. rooms. That's what I'm saying. Let me let me tee you up again. Yeah, 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 please. Because I also was barely able to pay attention to the question. Uh, you've got a great audience supporting you now, uh, rightly so. Fantastic you so podcast. Much. Uh, you're doing great. Um, before the audiences knew who you were, do you remember one of the last gigs that you did before the podcast took off? And it was just like, I, why am I even here? This is a nightmare. <laughs> Oh gosh. I mean, well, to be clear, I still do or have done shows post podcast where the people in the audience didn't know who I was and didn't like me. Um, So uh, I did. Well, I did a a taping for a televised show. Okay. I don't know if I'll name names or not. You don't have to. Yeah, it's not required. It's uh, it was a show that shot in Temecula, California. Now, okay. for those of you who don't know what that means, it's a town that is mostly, I think, known for the casino in the mm-hmm. town. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe a, it's a couple hours inland, like east of mm-hmm. L.A. So, you know, it's not densely populated. And we'll just say that the crowd at the show hated everything about me oh no (laughs) i think it's more it's like um it's like a slightly just more conservative demographic Mm -hmm. and they're like the guy who went on before me was talking about how he's like my wife makes me drink almond milk now what the shit is this (laughs) almond milk she's also making me eat bread whole grain bread it's like why do my breads have nuts in it haha and then the the audience was losing their minds they were like oh this is the funniest thing i've ever heard (laughs) (laughs) you just hate them like from a distance at that point you're like yeah yeah and i I picture you kind of like like, standing in the wings just watching this guy kill with (laughs) awful material and you're going i I, I gotta go next yeah yeah. and i was like they're gonna hate me i hate them (laughs) it's gonna be a mess and sure enough i was right um they (laughs) i got on stage and you know i'm talking about like kind of like movies i'm talking about star wars i have a star wars joke i have a jurassic Mm -hmm. park joke i'm talking about feminism and they're just like what the fuck So I didn't do well. And because I wasn't doing well and I knew it was being taped for a show that was maybe gonna like for a segment that was maybe going to be on a on TV. Same. Yeah. I was like, I just I got so in my head about it and I like kind of messed up my set. And it was just like uh I, so afterward I went to like the producers and I was just like, 
I know you're going to figure out whether or not this is going to air. Please don't air this. I had a bad set. Oh. I don't feel good about this. And I, it was horrible. And I don't want this to be on TV. And they were like, no, 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 you did great. You did great. You did great. <laughs> uh, and uh, and if, if necessary, we'll just like pepper in some laughter. And I'm like, <laughs> so they ended up airing segments uh-huh. of it because they yeah. take like, I don't know, whatever show, whatever the... I don't even remember the show. Oh, no. Okay. I do remember. It. I'm not going to say it, but they yeah. take like one or two minute clips. Okay. And they put it in. I guess they took the best one minute that I had, yeah. but it was still bad. And I was just like, I told you not to do this, but I, I guess I had like signed paperwork yeah. or whatever. You're locked yeah. in. It was out of my hands, but um, <laughs> cut yeah. away to like Wembley Stadium. <laughs> From like 78. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that, that's that's wild because that sounds like really it sounds like every comedian's worst nightmare you're mm-hmm. taping there's so much there that yes. is just like this is a lot of times that's sort of for a lot of comics that's like an end game you know late night set uh uh a special like it it you know it probably i'm picturing a big theater where people are sitting in kind of like almost like those fake velvet seats you know with the, the mm. like the theater seats that go down when you sit in them and right. you know there's like a thousand people there or whatever and you're like you know it's like this big night and they kind of build it up and then you get there and you're just like uh this isn't good i don't want to <laughs> i don't want this to i mean i've been in those situations myself like i was in a duo for many years and my brother um i remember after we recorded like i thought we did pretty well Mm -hmm. and then he disappeared and then one of the producers is like where is your brother and i remember looking out like a like one of those like glass windows because we taped in like a i think it was a strip club and um Mm -hmm. and i'm like looking over across the street and i'm like I'm not going to tell you, like, I was just like, I don't know, but I see my brother pacing across the street Mm. and I'm just like, oh, I guess he didn't like our set. And that is like (laughs) that weird meltdown. It can be such a come down from something that should be one of the finer moments of your career, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Did it take you a long time to get over that or? It, it, yeah i was just like maybe i should quit stand-up now i don't oh, know no. <laughs> i didn't but yeah uh, yeah but, but i, I get that like... sentiment i mean i know that's like people don't realize i mean if you've if you're out there and you're listening and you're just starting to do stand-up it's like we take all of this personally if you were at an open mic and you didn't well you do well you'd feel similarly but this was a taping yeah right. oh, and, and it it was like a couple other people on the lineup were We'd, I w- like was just kind of interacting with them briefly and two of them I distinctly remember not who they are but what they said yeah. they, and I didn't know any I was like these are not my people this is like not yeah. the circle I run with these are like comics who one of them said something extremely transphobic oh uh because my name is Caitlin and they were talking about Caitlin Jenner and then they said something very very transphobic and mm-hmm. then uh on the, stage I'm, like in front of the crowd not on stage, but like to me. Oh, um, oh, fuck off! <laughs> so they just like they saw they made a connection through between the name, and then they were like, "Let me tell you this transphobic joke." They well, they said your they name just, is Caitlin. Well, they were like, "Oh, um, I did like I introduced myself." They're like, "Oh, you're you're so you're like a real Caitlin," oh. and I was like, "What do you what do you mean?" And they were they they were talking about Caitlyn Jenner, and then they're like, "But you're a real Caitlyn." 
um and i said i was just like i don't understand what you mean and then they were like just like said something that completely invalidated yeah you know caitlin jenner's experience oh, and the trans experience yeah so i was just like oh, okay well fuck you forever then um, yeah <laughs> talk then, about um, making a bad situation worse it sounds like you're getting it from all sides and yeah. i always get that with gary Busey, so don't take too much offense <laughs> yeah but we all know he's not a real gary <laughs> he's not yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a real gary <laughs> so, uh, he, he should just go by the buse <laughs> honestly Missed opportunity. He should. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you, I, I saw. I, I should say I saw him in the wild once. I know this has nothing to do with what we were just talking about. But no, please. Tom Dustin was visiting me in L.A. and we saw him down on near Venice Beach or Santa Monica near the pier. He was just standing out there smoking a cigar, and I said to Tom Dustin, I said, I think we always run into the celebrities that we're supposed to see when we're in L.A. <laughs> And I think Gary Busey is your perfect celebrity to see. <laughs> and I think I was right on that one. Yeah. It was yeah. Big Al and Tom Dustin visiting. Oh. I saw Gary Busey in the wild. They are the Abbott and Costello of Boston. <laughs> anyway, Tom. anyway. I'm sorry for that aside, but. <laughs> no, it's good. No. I, I, just a theory, and Caitlin, I don't know if you agree with this, because you, you said you go up there and those places like Temecula or those gigs where they didn't know you. And you're talking about like the things you care about, like movies, because mm -hmm. you have movie talk with Caitlin on, mm -hmm. on Instagram Live on Thursdays, which is oh, fantastic. Thanks and, for the plug. Hey, there it is. <laughs> and do. you talk about feminism. You talk about real things that you're passionate about. Mm. And do you, do, I just had this theory. Do you think that like the men in the audience are scared that you're going to educate the women in the audience about feminism? <laughs> and they're like, Shut don't up. say it don't you say it don't you come to temecula because those towns <laughs> are bring in your feminism they're so fucking backwards these caitlin you, you see the demeanor and you're like why are you able why are you being treated like this yeah i mean that never occurred to me because like the i feel like the women there are like the like 50 percent of white women or 55 percent of white women who like voted for trump like that's mm -hmm. who the women there were yeah so i don't think there's like danger of them um of me changing their minds or anything <laughs> like that <laughs> right they're kind of stuck in their in their modes of thinking and they were so were. the other the other really awful interaction i had with one of the other comics on that show was a guy he was like kind of talking to the whole room because we were in the green room and he was just mm -hmm. like saying something about a past gig he did where he was joking about sexual assault uh on like college campuses or s something around that and he and he like and then he's like oh but then this like woman in the audience like started yelling at me and like getting mad at me and i was just like blah, blah, blah. and he like had this horrible reaction to someone protesting that he was saying awful things mm -hmm. and he was just like oh, so i was like okay so this is who's booked on this show how did i get booked on this show if yeah. these are the comics that <laughs> that are right booked. it's I, I mean that's interesting I don't know how that. Yeah, happens. yeah. Um, to to just end up out there. I mean, I remember moving out to Los Angeles and then and then you know doing like a show in Orange County or something like that. And slowly but surely, like you can either decide to keep doing those shows in Brea or Irvine or wherever, mm -hmm. but then you can, you know, 
the reaction of the crowd or the people you meet. You're kind of like, maybe we'll take a step back from doing as many of these shows uh, because we're, you know, you, you happen to mention something that they don't agree with and everybody just loses their mind and you're like, well, we're doing comedy here, right? Yeah, in, uh, in defense of Orange County, the, the Cal State, like the young college town parts of like yeah. Fullerton, those are great rooms because yeah, yeah. it's young minds that are like, not of the typical orange county like no. oh, wear a mask when i'm fucking dead <laughs> um, but it does but, sometimes feel no matter what you know i mean it's been a while since i've certainly since i've done those rooms but it does sometimes feel like you're on enemy ground yes and like a and like a an orange county type of place like you know california has some of that mm-hmm. where you're in the middle of nowhere and you're like i don't know how this is gonna go and i don't know who <laughs> <Yeah>. to <laughs> like i'm all angry before i get on stage i, I don't talk to me <laughs> certainly don't share your awful worldviews with me before i go on stage right you know yeah did but you not... go, oh, ahead. go ahead oh, sorry Chris. gary no 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 all right um, you so you not only on one side of show business you have the podcast you're on performance level but you were behind the scenes running uh one of the most coveted rooms for a while you were part of you know the nerd melt uh, section and some nights I would see you and you would have a great smile and you would be very excited <laughs> and we would have fun and then other nights I would watch that show and I knew what your face looked like and it wasn't a show you'd be running you'd just be like okay let's uh let's get through this because <laughs> because people would run uh crazy shows there and they were all like experimental and fun and that was mm-hmm. part of the, uh-huh. the 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 enjoy of that room yeah uh I'm wondering if there's any memories that come to mind of you, you having to, you know, juggle a couple things behind the scenes on a show you weren't on, you were just kind of, you sure. know, facilitating. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, because my job at Nerd Melt, um, which was the like short for the Nerdist showroom at Meltdown Comics, um, which has all gone defunct unfortunately by now, uh, but um, R.I.P. But I was a program director, so I was the one responsible for deciding what wild shows Mm -hmm. happened there. And sometimes I didn't have the best judgment. And I would say, (laughs) I would say most of the time, like if a show didn't necessarily go well, it was just because like not a lot of people showed up and it like Mm -hmm. wasn't very well promoted on like the end of the producers and then kind of no one was there. So there, there it wasn't that often that I was like I just like made a really bad call I did it sometimes but I was just like oh, I feel like I have a pretty good sense of like what would good, be a good show and, and what's gonna yeah. uh, be suitable for this type of room um, the only thing that really comes to mind is like a really bad lapse in judgment I guess was <laughs> uh, there was a show where it was kind of like a debate style show but the people who put on the show were again it's always it always comes down to comics being like you know racist and transphobic and sexist and so this one guy who was like Ah. one of the like hosts of the show kept he booked a bunch of um like friends of mine or just like people who I really respect as as comics who are like left-leaning 
-hmm. or leftist or you know and then the and then they'd be like well what do you think about blah blah blah, like something and it was like this very controversial stance and it was the whole point of the show was just to get people really riled up like a gotcha kind of thing i guess i don't even know (laughs) like a trap so like (laughs) so i think i don't even remember what of like the people who I who like was booked on it that I was like oh that I like I, I love them and I love their comedy mm-hmm. but several people like stormed off stage they were like fuck this I wow. don't want to engage with this you're clearly like a piece of shit a I'm lunatic <laughs> <laughs> so people like left like p- performers on the show walked out of the show because it was like such a disaster so then when I t- talked to the producers and the hosts and stuff, and I was just like, well, obviously they're like, can we get another date? And I was like, absolutely not. This was a mess. This, <laughs> your show does not at all align with like the vision of this yeah. room. Like you, sorry, you had your chance and you blew mm-hmm. it. And there were, and then he, the one guy in particular laid into me and he's just like oh you're suppressing my freedom of speech and all, the, all this stuff and i was just like dude fuck off oh man so i got into like a, an argument and he's like well i can't be racist because my best friend is black and i was just like shut the fuck Ooh. up you piece <laughs> of shit anyway so I, you know i'm i'm playing that game in my head of just trying to guess who that is um I, I it's guess, a fun I game guess. because i know a lot of people who performed at nerd melt i mean i performed there a bunch myself mm-hmm. thank you by the way mm. but uh thank you again. yeah it was quite a time there and i always enjoyed the exhibits in the back that would be going on while you're oh, on stage it's yeah. very very fun because it was also yeah, kind of function as an arts art gallery yeah. sometimes so you're yeah. in you kind of performed in like on like a just you know the stage was about just to give folks at home a visual you probably saw it on tv if you're listening but um like a you know couple inches high and then you were surrounded sometimes by like various art exhibits mm-hmm. you know star wars expositions or something that relates to comic books yeah it was a lot of fun yeah i really miss it i went in there once to get a uh to get something for my nephew right before christmas and i um i ran into is the guy's name eastman the guy who did the ninja turtle stuff oh uh, I, i'm not entirely sure i wasn't super like a lot of the art shows happen kind of before my time yeah. there and right yeah, I don't, I, yeah oh okay well this was the guy who had like basically invented the ninja turtles he came up Jeez. with the ninja turtles i walked in to buy something i was like the only person in there on like a wednesday and then uh he came out and he was doing an exhibit on the side you remember the, the other not the back room there was like a side room mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. had all this like ninja turtle stuff and uh i think his last name is eastman mm-hmm. and he you know i'm not like you know i guess i'm a nerd but maybe not that deep of a nerd I'm a nerd about Big Trouble in Little China and nothing else. But um, <laughs> I uh, and then someone's like, he's right over there because I was gonna get like a Ninja Turtle thing for my nephew. Yeah. And then I walked over. They were like, go go say hi to him. They were trying to like urge me to go over, and I was like, I don't wanna. I'm not gonna. What am I gonna say to this guy? And then I walked over. I was like, hi, how's it going? And then he. It was like one of those situations where you, because I loved the Ninja Turtles when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and then he wouldn't let me go. Oh. I, like no. I was like going in, and I had like a plan to go to nerd, you know, nerd melt and get comics for my thing and then i got stuck there for like 45 minutes with the guy who created the ninja turtles and i was like i don't this is so los angeles i don't want to fucking talk to this guy i don't want to be friends with him. And I'm like, 
you know, it feels like when you go to your drug dealer or whatever, and they're like, hey, man, check out this song. You know, and then they make you <laughs> listen to them play the electric guitar for an hour. And you're like, I guess I got to sit here and listen to this fucking guy play a song. Yeah. Um, except this guy was like some crazy weirdo genius, you know. Mm. But anyway, I'm sorry to hear all that. But uh, I feel like a lot of the fun shows I was on at Nerd Melt were were elegant disasters. They were like mm. fun, weird ideas that worked. Yeah. You know, like like a lot of the stuff I'm interested in is different. Um, people might think it might be like initially they go, what is that now? Like I, they, they would go do a character and, um, and, you know, and, and then, you know, debate or play a game show or do something. I remember actually distinctly going into Nerd Melt. This is a separate thing. Then I'll, I'll let you guys talk for a little because I'm going on a little long. But my, my girlfriend, uh, when we first met, this is about seven years ago, it was like our second or third like time seeing each other. And I was mm -hmm. like, hey, she was like, you want to go out? I was like, definitely. Um, but I have the show. So I was like, would you want to come to the show with me? Uh, and then we can like do anything afterwards or, you know, it's like Los Angeles. We can go get, you know, pancakes late night or whatever the hell you want to do. And she's what like, LA is known for, yeah. Pancakes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> late pancakes night. late night. Um, and there's a million <laughs> great pancakes. That's what, you know, that's really what this show is all about. It's about great late night pancakes. <laughs> pancake well one of the reasons why i fell in love with her is because she pulled a ziploc bag out of her purse once and uh, had a pancake in it and i was like um oh. i love you wow like, you know, <laughs> an hour after i met her um so she comes with me to nerd melt and i had forgotten that it was a character thing and i have this southern character that i do where he has like sleeve tattoos and a mullet and i just had to give her like a little speech before i went out i was like oh i forgot to tell you uh, this show is in character mm. and I'm going to go into the green room and it's it might be a little weird because I'm like bringing you to the show but I'm going to be introduced as this guy who's like the rebel southern idiot you know like I'm going to play a, a moron from the south with a mullet and sleeve tattoos and like what a weird sort of like getting to know you moment like that sure. I have a mullet in my backpack <laughs> You know, and and anyway, it went it went well. It was a it was a great place to perform, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm glad that you've had that experience there. And so, well, so you kept seeing this person. After... We're living together. She's oh, she's oh. The, she's, well, that's why. Yeah, I'm in our second bedroom. Um, doing. <laughs> she she <laughs> yeah. saw you do that character seven at years later, and yeah, to really... her credit, she watched me bomb many many times and was <laughs> like, "I love this southern <laughs> mullet weirdo." Um, that's what it's all about. This this dove that's a great story that dovetails into my question for Caitlin, yeah. and I will ask this question. Yes, um, I'm glad you have I'll questions because I think I just have <laughs> statements about pancakes on this. <laughs> You're doing great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you are in those first ten years of comedy, it is a lot of finding yourself, taking risks, uh, risks, riskus, yes. uh, doing riskus. things. <laughs> Um, that you would maybe do once and then never ever do again. Correct. Uh, I was, uh, for example, I brought up a tiny keyboard and uh, uh, held it into the microphone. This is like four years in. I just did it because I found this keyboard at like a Goodwill and it uh -huh. had pre-programmed rock songs. Oh, and rock songs. So if you held the mic into it, it would feedback like Jimi Hendrix. So it mm. would take like the Star Spangled Banner and it would play it. And then you could 
like lean it in some and then you could bend it too it was like super weird instrument okay. and i never did that ever again uh <laughs> nobody laughed it didn't work oh i can't i can't imagine <laughs> i had fun i still like it uh Wait again, you... bring it back <laughs> i'll do anything right now we're, we're online i got a dummy in my room with no arms that i turn to half the time on shows uh do you find yourself looking back at some of those risks that you took and you're like oh my god i can't believe that i even attempted this or at least i'm glad i did that do you have any of those that pop out of your head hmm. i i'm not sure well i i was i was never a huge risk taker i guess as a comic beyond just taking the risk of doing comedy i, I never like did anything too wild or too uh, yeah i don't know i'm trying to rack my brain but i don't nothing really comes to mind i mean i've definitely like told jokes uh that like you said i tried it once and it didn't work and it i was like this isn't probably gonna work there's no way but let me you never know and I should have just trusted my instincts uh, because, mm -hmm. but then there's other jokes that like I tried once, uh, I just, but I, they it, it, it didn't work because I just hadn't worded them rightly or they just, rightly? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> speaking, sure. speaking of taking I, risks, I take risks <laughs> with grammar. Yeah. Caitlin screenwriting class <laughs> on her website. You have a right. master's it's, degree it's called, in writing. It's called writing rightly. <laughs> Caitlin Durante. Uh, uh, yeah, but I, I guess um, sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, you know, there. I know that there's something there, and it. I fucked it up the first time, but I'll. And then like, so I would go back kind of years later and revisit something that I had tried and it failed. But then I just tweaked it a bit or whatever, and then uh, then it it paid off finally because I was like, yeah. oh, I I cracked I cra I cracked the code writing is rewriting that's um, what i say in my screenwriting classes <laughs> available online <laughs> I, I have a question i i think gary maybe we don't ask this one enough but i just want to go to your worst gig ever what's the one that sticks with you that if like people were all sharing their worst performances or or it doesn't have to be on you it can be on the crowd it can be on where you had to stay just like the nightmare, what's the sort of um, DEFCON, is it five? Usually they go to five, right? I think, That's the word. I think it's usually, isn't DEFCON one the word? Okay, so whatever. Def, <laughs> your DEFCON, <laughs> DEFCON comedy jam um, of, of like the worst of the worst. What what comes to mind when I say yeah, that? Yeah, I've got two and okay, I'll, great. I'll be quick about sharing Oh, don't worry Take about time. time. We have, to, uh, we have to burn a lot of time on this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the first one, I'll do a countdown. So this is the yeah, second worst one great. leading up we to the it. big finale. Yeah, great way um, to do this. It was, a, it was a simple bar show in mm -hmm. uh, Koreatown, Los Angeles. Okay. It was, it's, um, I'm already getting hives. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's it was in a speakeasy so uh and you have to it's at a bar that you have to like know the password i think i know this place yeah so the show is uh it was always like it would go really long it mm -hmm. was uh sometimes there would be kind of like regulars of the show there but it was mm -hmm. you it was mostly like 
and now the people who are enjoying a drink mm-hmm. surprise there's a comedy show yeah um it was <laughs> that kind of thing yeah. um even but I though did you it. all had to use a secret password to get in here and know that every week we're doing this right yeah but it always has that vibe i agree it, when right you're in there you're like oh okay but I, I mean, I liked doing the show. It was run by a, a person I like very much. That's it was great. a lot of comics who uh, that would get booked on the show. There's a lot of fun bits kind of that mm-hmm. would be dispersed throughout the show. It was usually a three hour long show, which is too long. But, um, you know, I, I would go hang out with people, uh, etc. Mm-hmm. One. T- uh, so and then sometimes you would have a drink named after you like the, oh, the, yeah. the the bartender would like mix up a drink and then like name it after one of the comics on the show so yes. i had a kind of like a margarita a spicy margarita drink named after me and they give oh, you drink nice. tickets or, and then i was like can i have one of my drinks so i yeah. i ended up having two of these before my set okay. so i was a little drunk mm-hmm. and i was also trying out some new stuff and it was a bad combination of <laughs> not having a memory anymore yeah. from the alcohol <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, trying to do comedy. So I... <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and just visually, the place looks like a pirate ship. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we are, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're performing inside of a pirate ship. And there aren't that many good like vantage points for the audience too. Yeah. So like there's other people in the bar that'll be like kind of off in a corner and they'll mm-hmm. be like causing a commotion, but mm-hmm. because they're like not right near the comet, it's like, so it's like, it can be distracting. It's a whole mm-hmm. thing. So I did not do well, believe it or mm-hmm. not. I forgot a lot of my set. Uh, even the jokes that I, uh, that I had been doing for a while, I like yeah. kind of fumbled through those and some I, later spots on this show are kind of set up for failure a little bit there may have been a sketch or character earlier mm, people mm, in off the street yeah yes yep so it, it all just worked out that it was like murphy's law everything mm-hmm. that could go wrong did and yeah. it was partly because i made things go wrong because of the <laughs> Right. Uh, tequila that I drank but <laughs> um oh, no. so I had a, t- a, ba- a really bad set and then you I've had plenty of bad sets before and I like don't beat myself up about it too badly I'm just like mm-hmm. uh you know you just kind of have to brush it off and move on that's mm-hmm. I'm usually very good at that I'm I'm pretty good at you know just compartmentalizing right. I'm pretty good at just uh, suppressing my emotions <laughs> in general <laughs> it's a good way to be <laughs> yes it's it's a really healthy uh way to <laughs> go about your life so yeah not this night i don't know if it was just because like because of the alcohol i like i was wearing my emotions on my sleeve or what exactly but i felt so horrible about myself that i left the show immediately after my set went to my car sat there and cried (laughs) until i felt sober (laughs) oh and then um and then went home but i was i was just like how did i let this ha- like how did any of that happen like i don't I, is was... that is that i mean for me that would be crying until the sun comes up <laughs> you know i mean i would i would need to go to like one of those korean grocery stores and get like some soup <laughs> I would well, just tearing I... up crying hugging the old lady that works there and... <laughs> you know i also i want to be because you're like caitlin did you just like get wasted and then drive home drunk that is not what happened. i had two no, no. drinks over the course of like three hours but yeah. it was enough that i like 
did, my brain just didn't quite work anyway so I, I wasn't being unsafe or anything yeah yeah of course I, i'm also amazed like, that you found parking in koreatown oh man <laughs> usually you gotta park in hollywood and take an uber an hour down to koreatown honestly that also might have been part of it where like i was just kind of already on edge and kind of frazzled mm-hmm. because i had i think i was like kind of late to the show yeah because i was driving around forever it's also i mean you know we don't talk about this enough but that's a sketchy area Mm -hmm. my friend was mugged there like not long ago and he goes to that show almost every week i mean this was before pandemic but sure yeah these dudes like bit him and took his phone and threw it up on a roof it was like almost like a like a coen brothers mugging (laughs) he was just had it on his phone and they were like stop filming us and he's like i'm not filming you and then these guys just like attacked him bit him and threw his phone on a roof that? Yeah, my good friend Davey. Anyway, that's wow. that's what we're talking about. We're talking about Koreatown, uh, kind of a sketchy neighborhood, hard to park. Like by the time you get there, you've already gone through like the f- five of the seven rings of hell. Seven, right? <laughs> a, Just a and, perfect comedy venue. <laughs> yes, I mean it is fun. It is a fun place. It can mm-hmm. be, or it can be your worst it, nightmare. Yeah, and it clearly. Was. Um, yeah, that stretch especially because there's there's some parts of there's plenty of parts of uh, of K Town that are that are perfectly safe and nice, but yeah, yeah, that stretch especially was just like is yeah it is uh, not the most Can safe. Be, yes, but um, yeah. Well, so that I'm sorry. Was... <laughs> I am sorry to hear that. I'm I like normally on the show we do like to delight in the sort of the the terrible, but crying mm. in your car is not something we want to delight in. <laughs> we want we want to I mean, I... uh, you know what I mean? Like that's not like I feel like I've been there like we've been there but usually you're coming home from a show and you're with somebody else and you're at least able to talk about something that might have been fun about it you know mm-hmm. and when you're all alone you're feeling all alone that's like man that is the dark side of stand-up <laughs> and especially stand-up in LA yeah yeah I, I, I have a recommendation which mm-hmm. for all of our listeners and my friends here yes because I would drive to gigs alone and bomb and have a long drive home Yes, I would not put the radio on, and I don't recommend that. Uh, and then years went by where I found that somehow '90s pop really makes me feel good. Oh, mm. so well, I I have a obviously. go-to post bomb. Yeah, uh, which is Third Eye Blind's Jumper. Oh, <laughs> and I even wish though it's you a would step back from, from that ledge, my, my friend. friend. See, and you already feel better. You would take the time to. Not be sad about the comedy depression you've been living in. And I will not go to Koreatown again. It just makes me happy. Yeah, it's a good one. Find a song and always go to it when Mm. it's like, well, at least that goddamn song is going to make me feel good. Yeah. But Um, it's tough. so we got we got number one worst yeah. show. So I, I I'm scared for the first time on this podcast. I'm scared of where it might go. Well, this... I'm gonna go get my cat. And keep her in my <laughs> yeah, lap you're gonna need uh, an emotional support yeah. animal for this. No, um, that's <laughs> what it's about. I... We got the only way out is through. <laughs> well, this one you'll I think have a much easier time just like kind of because re- I can I mean I even look back now and laugh at the time that I cried in my car for no reason because okay. it, a very low stakes show yeah. didn't have any need to cry but still I've had similar instances by the way le- like leaving that place mm. similar feelings yeah 
but this one this one's uh tonally uh more fun so it's an open mic uh so it wasn't even a show or anything yeah um it was it was an open mic where uh the person right before me uh this this is the source of all of the conflict so the person right (laughs) before me um went on stage and it wasn't so much comedy as it was i guess you'd call it maybe performance art okay or i don't even know well i'll describe Mm -hmm. it and then and then everyone can can interpret it how they will right um this person um immediately pulled out a gun now (laughs) sorry it was it was a prop gun but you never know Mm. yeah it looked like it could have been maybe a real gun Mm. and i so obviously i was like i don't know this person maybe they're about to shoot up this open mic Mm -hmm. Uh, like i just immediately start panicking no one else seems to be panicking but it's also like 95 percent men in yeah so like maybe they're just like trying to be tough and like act cool and Mm -hmm. or or open micers who have no reason to live (laughs) 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 like i've been one of them we're all just in a room like Oh, oh great they actually get a little excited they're like oh great this might finally be my last day on earth <laughs> i could get I a bit out of this maybe. Yeah. oh there's some material here i don't i don't have to i don't have to uh attend this comedy open mic again at the treehouse <laughs> <laughs> so this like prop gun gets pulled out mm-hmm. um and the whole bit is them holding it to their head and saying, should I? Should I do it? Should I kill myself? Should I do it? Should I pull the trigger? That happened for two minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, and then uh, and then I think sometimes they would take the gun away from their temple and then kind of like do, point it at the room. Do a wave oh. like they're robbing a bank around at the crowd. Yeah. And then, and then, so I'm like absolutely losing my mind because I, guns make me very nervous to begin with. And again, I don't know if this is a real gun or not. I think probably, you know, like my, my logical brain is thinking that's probably not a real gun, but my Mm -hmm. emotional brain is thinking I'm about to, I'm going to die. I'm going to be shot today Mm -hmm. and I'm going to watch a whole whole room full of people get massacred and I'm going to be one of them. Mm -hmm. So this is everything that's going through my brain. Finally, they pull the trigger okay. and it's, you know, the little, the little bang goes off. It's a, cap, it's a, it's a toy prop gun. Yeah. And so then they like pretend to die and then they get back up and they're like, well, now that I'm dead, uh, no, I don't have to wear clothes anymore. Nothing ah. matters. I'm a dead person. I can. So then they proceed to take off all of their clothes. Double whammy. <laughs> that was his name. Yeah. <laughs> Also, I don't know if you noticed it. I have not said the gender of the person. Yes, but, but um, I don't know what it says it about ambiguous. me that I know all of the awful people in your stories. <laughs> um, I'll leave. I'll leave it ambiguous uh-huh. at least for now. But yes. so this person takes off all of their clothes. Uh-huh. Let's just say it was it was titillating for the again ninety five percent of the men there. 
Yes. So they're all like, what? Oh, what? Oh, 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 oh. So that was like the range of emotions for a few yeah. seconds. And then this person, <laughs> fully nude, starts climbing over people in the crowd. Sounds like they're stealing my act. Because <laughs> they're like, well, I'm dead. I can go anywhere I want. I can do so. They're just mm -hmm. fully nude, crawling over people. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't have an issue with nudity. I don't give a shit if people are naked or not. Mm -hmm. But to be nude or to be clothed and then like crawling on people and Approach like touching people. them and 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 invading their personal space, mm -hmm. that I feel it's... that would have made me uncomfortable. I would never do that to anyone else for fear of making them uncomfortable. I imagine people yeah. were made uncomfortable by this. Yes. It so... only flies overseas. <laughs> uh, the damn French. Or, oh, no, <laughs> oh, oh, so many French people right. are going to come after me now. Yeah, no, no. They'll come after me. <laughs> Chris welcomes have that fight against the French. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're... So, all You're, so I, you, I'm surprised you haven't left the room. Well, because uh, I was up next. Oh, right. Oh, good. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so hey, I'm, wait, I'm just like up. biding my time for, mm. for my set. Uh, all this happens because it, it was a very mundane open mic up until that point. It was just, yes. you know, yes. people going up there telling the same like Tinder jokes and like mm -hmm. all the same mundane routine stuff. And then yeah. this happens and I'm just like, what on earth? So they crawl over a bunch of people. Meanwhile, they've been getting the light for like a few minutes. Yeah. The hosts of this um, this open mic were like not having this at all. Yeah. They were like, I hate what's happening here. This is awful. So finally the set ends. And basically uh -huh. because like the hosts were like, you're done. Like the, we're, ta yeah. we're taking back our mic. Yes. So the, the, they kind of regain control of the room. But this person... Sit, then sits in the audience still completely nude <gasps> and stays there for a while yeah. especially during my set so so sorry <laughs> the hardest by the way as as a as a sometime nude comedian the hardest part about that whole thing is collecting your clothes when you're done right it's so like that's where the dignity the loss of dignity comes in it's very apparent when you start to be like, mm. uh, I just gotta go over here and get my socks, and then I, I like oh my underwear down. are over, are actually three rows in, and you start to look like someone who's like had a bad night, like uh, like a hookup or something, and mm. you just there's no dignity in it. You go, oh, I didn't have any punchlines either. Um, <laughs> I got naked because I couldn't write any jokes. Sorry, like you, it's it's an implied apology. Yeah. So sitting in the audience is probably <laughs> arguably the only thing to do mm -hmm. until the show is over and you can collect your, your belongings. Right, after everyone's already left. Yes. That but might then you have, have been... to go up. <laughs> right, yes. So I went up and I didn't have... I had the best set of my life, actually. So this, wow. is, this is not That's necessarily great. a me a, whor a story of me having mm -hmm. a bad time it was i guess just everything leading up to that was was yeah. the chaos but so i go up there i see the this person again fully nude like mm -hmm. a few rows right in front of me i'm just Perfect. like okay and i don't have to say anything i don't even think i did say anything mm -hmm. for like a minute or two yes. i just stood there 
and just sort of scan the room and i people have never laughed harder at mm -hmm. anything yeah and they're not laughing at me necessarily yes. or i mean i guess they're kind of laughing at my reaction because uh -huh. i'm just sort of like i've got a puzzled look on my face just taking it all in <laughs> right so this i guess so this was just sort of like me standing there for a minute was i guess the palate cleanser that mm -hmm. the people needed to just process everything that just happened yes so I'm just sort of, you know, standing there, not doing anything, getting the biggest laughs of my career. And then finally I start talking and I say some stuff and I was just like, did anyone else think they were about to die? And oh, these titties are staring me right in the face and did it like all this stuff. Yeah. People are die people are right. just, oh, they're loving it. And I do my three minutes or whatever, and then I get off stage. And mm -hmm. it was, I really never, cause I've also, I've done other open mics or hosted open mics even where another different comic took off all their clothes and yeah. like did something. And, you know, so I'm just like, yeah, that happens from time to time. Yeah. But it was just like the panic of me thinking I was going to be shot to death. And then also, and then yeah. the, new, the unexpected nudity and then me having to go up right after it was just this call, this beautiful culmination of, mm -hmm. of uh, just uh, comedic. <laughs> I don't even know what it's perfect. But... You know, um, I have good stripes. news for you, by the way. Uh, mm. I have the um, naked gunman's uh, number in my phone. <laughs> Uh, if you would, in the future, if you would like an opener uh, <laughs> to just set you up for success, um, we can, I mean, I can reach out. I can let them know Caitlin Durante sometimes needs an opener when yeah. her podcast isn't. It's not, you know, it's just like a straight stand up. We need you to go out, pull the gun on yourself, mm. get nude, sit in the audience. It's like what you do anyway. <laughs> right um a yep. little update on that on that um the the naked gunman please um yeah. they were getting kicked out of venues left and right around los angeles uh i think thinking they were changing the world with their sort of serious um art wait have you seen like, this have you seen this person do this i know exactly who this is okay um, <laughs> i have cast I, this person in sketches but oh, previous wow. to the naked gun scenario mm -hmm. yeah uh, I, I have a i have a you know, I guess you could say I have a relationship with this person. Yeah. Um, but it's your girlfriend you know, that you're living with. <laughs> um, it's it's my pancake princess. Well, I, like, um, I, friends of mine are friends with them. I don't know. Yeah. If I've 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 met them once or twice. I know them yeah. kind of indirectly. I mean, you know, but... We've all. If you're living in Los Angeles, you're gonna you're gonna you know make nice with misguided comedians i mean mm -hmm. it's gonna it's gonna happen you're gonna get booked on similar shows you know yeah um and i do you know i tend to do a lot of weird sketch uh you know i'm not i'm not necessarily trying to sabotage a whole show i'm trying to be funny about it i'm trying right. to be entertaining i don't want to derail the whole thing but uh but you know i've come across some real wild ones in my time um, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say if this gives you an in indication on where I lie on the story, mm. I'm happy to say I've never seen that act. Mm. Um, but I, well, you're but really I, missing I, out. when I had, <laughs> when I heard about it initially about what was going, going on through my, my grapevine, um, I was like this, I really did have a moment where I was like, sounds like they're really trying to steal my, uh, m m the, the market I've cornered, mm. uh, with my nudity. <laughs> 
Um, Wait, is no, that that's real? Amazing. Do you really I mean, get naked on stage? I have Chris, been many times. But okay. oh. Chris is uh, historically very hard on himself. Chris is funny about it. Well, <laughs> let's, well let's be clear. I, I have done I have done shows shows that are um, billed as nude comedy, so you would know mm-hmm. going ahead, oh, yeah. you know, going sure. before. And then I've done things in the middle of shows where I've it's like a punchline, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like a quick thing or. I do a thing called in sketch shows sometimes called the Naked Yeti, where you see it for like half a second, where it's I, between doorways. I remember know? that was one, yeah, of I mean, first, it, one of the first of many times me seeing you naked. It's available was, online, and uh, I've been stopped in Starbucks by uh, <laughs> mostly men, uh, all men who are like, I've seen your, you know, your ding dong. <laughs> and I've been like, I'm sorry. Uh, that's everyone has. Uh, no shame in our bodies it's just kind of yeah it's kind of how it goes but uh but it's not necessarily the conversation i want to have in a starbucks mm. you're not crawling over the front row Tuesday at eight but but i but i also don't condone uh gunplay and uh you know there's <laughs> there's really... more to this than just the nudity um yeah again the nudity didn't bother it's not again yeah, people getting naked yeah. i don't like by all yeah. by all means but it was and i've the... also put that stuff in my past <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you grew up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I grew up. No, Chris but like, turned yeah. 35. <laughs> it is time. But I mean, so, yeah. you know, this is the thing about Los Angeles is it is in, in, in it's clear in both of those stories, which I believe the second story was a Los Angeles story as well. Oh, yes. For you is that you have an, there is an uphill battle. It isn't just you and the audience and new jokes like it should be. Mm-hmm. it's uh it's you know um someone held the audience hostage you yeah. know what i mean right before you went up but you were able to turn that into gold and i maintain that if you can do enough of those shows and then you get in front of a real audience it's kind of like a water weight situation where you're yeah. now you don't you're not carrying any weight on you you're getting in front of people who actually are there to see comedy and you're that much better for it mm-hmm. in the long run it's true yeah. You're, you're making us proud from the old bean town uh, crowd. <laughs> we have one final question we like oh. to throw mm-hmm. on to guests. Uh, uh, before we go, tell folks how they can find you. We'll put links in the uh, episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bechtelcast on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Movie Talk with Caitlin on Instagram at Caitlin Durante. CaitlinDurante.com yes. uh, uh, for screenwriting out. and all other Caitlin Durante needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Final question, and you can take this question. It's open for interpretation. Some people have done an impression. Some people have told a little bit of a story. Um, It's an improvised moment Mm. that you can do whatever you want with. It is uh, each guest ends the episode by leaving a voice message on a comedian's machine of the world's worst gig that they can pitch. Uh, Would you like to... (laughs) Would you like to take a chance? It could be this one. It doesn't have to be a real done. gig. Yeah. Yeah. Could be fake. Could be, could be real. Just so pile it on. I'm you're like a booker. a booker. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're going to leave a message pitching your horrible gig. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. I'm not, oh but we'll see. We'll see what comes out of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, out of my face. Uh, <clears throat> I'll use a prop. I've got my, <laughs> my hand position next to my face as though it were a phone yeah hi gary gary peterson um it's me tobias uh that's tobias with a th 
um, Tobias, uh, uh, Reynolds. Don't know why I stumbled over my own last name, but um, calling to see uh, what you're doing uh, next weekend because I've got uh, a, a gig I think you'd be really good for. I think you'd really kill it with our crowd. Um, it is, it, it's, uh, here's the thing about it. Now, I understand that this might sound a little, a little weird. And this is me stalling as I think of <laughs> what it is. Um, okay, give me a second. Do you edit this? Cause I'm gonna need you to cut all this out. Um, okay, <laughs> let me think. Um, let's see. Uh, oh my God, this is why I should have taken more improv classes. Um, <laughs> it's in um, it's in the attic of a Walgreens. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I I'm so creative I can't handle it. Um, it's. <laughs> uh the trouble is it's a really confined space so only the audience can't fit up there it's only you so we're gonna telecast your set in the attic um because there's like there's different like kind of building zone things we can't have a crowd um so we just have to have you up there also um there's that's where we keep uh all of the the walgreens squirrels <laughs> so they're gonna be up there with you and they might interfere they're probably not just don't feed them anything um <laughs> and uh so we're gonna telecast your set um to to the people uh but they're 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 not even it's gonna your audio is gonna play throughout the store as they're shopping so they don't even really know that there's a show happening <laughs> It's just going to be, you know, if someone's like clean up on aisle eight, like that's going to be your, you're going to be sort of like the voice of God in, in this Walgreens. Uh, so <laughs> and it pays uh, 10 bucks and you have to do, and you have to do an hour. Uh, so just in case, uh, again, I thought you'd be really good for it. You're, you're like, just, you know, really good at kind of that type of, um, you know just uh on the fly type of stuff you can just you can um you know you don't have to do material in fact it's better if you don't do material just go up there and improv <laughs> your set that's i mean because stand that's what stand-up is right you're just going up there and like you're just making stuff up on the fly right yeah so just do that and again ten dollars um and yeah it's also a bringer show um, <laughs> And everyone has to buy at least a hundred dollars worth of Walgreens merchandise, <laughs> um, or we're going to take that ten dollars back. All right, uh, let me know if you're interested. Again, this is Tobias Reynolds. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> well done, Caitlin Durante. Well. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, oh, I had a great time. Me. Thank you for joining us. It's uh, it's been a blast. Oh, my really pleasure. Appreciate it.
has been brought to you by Dead and Mellow. Follow us on all your social media platforms and shop around at deadandmellow.com to see all of our stand-up, music, and podcast releases. Thank you, and God bless America. All right, see you later. See Are we actually leaving or just that dignity?